fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday starting off a brand new week. And boy, feel refreshed, feel ready to go. Or are you still recovering from the Super Bowl shenanigans from last night? I know many of you are shattering records all over the place. The most triggering Super Bowl of all time, apparently, according to the news. No, nobody's happy anyways. Nobody's ever happy. You know, sports was supposed to be the time where you can actually get together, and while you may have some competitiveness based on the teams that are there, on who you thought was going to win, who you wanted to win, you root for your team, who rah, you know, that stuff's good, and that stuff's healthy, that competition is a good thing. Now, everybody just complains for the sake of complaining. All across the board, it's kind of ridiculous, which is why conveniently i don't pay attention to many of these events that go on but i did i did the whole super bowl thing last night man mrs voice of reason little voice of reason and i all got together we had our nachos we had our dips we had our food we had our game stuff we had the adult beverages and we watched it and while i may have been just a little bit under the weather the last little bit and still struggling a little bit but not too bad at least enough to be able to rock and roll here like we do every single day. We got to enjoy that game. And I tell you what, five hours of my life that we will not be getting back. And while it was somewhat entertaining, I'll tell you from the, uh, I guess, game perspective itself. I'm not a sports analyst. If you want to do that, you can go tune into a, a sports talk show. But from a sports side of it, it was a relatively boring game until about the fourth quarter. I am shocked that the Chiefs ended up winning. I got to be honest. That first half of the game, let's let's be honest here, and I'm come from Kansas as well, so I guess by default I have to be a Chiefs fan, and I really did not want to support the 49ers coming from you know San Francisco, so I was supporting the Chiefs, but you gotta kind of look at it from a very uh, middle of the road approach, and the 49ers definitely dominated the entire three quarters of the game. How they were not up 20 points at halftime, I I just don't know. I really don't know. They really ran that roost. It was their own mistakes that just kept themselves out of dominating that game. So uh, it was unfortunate for them, but who out of the Kansas City Chiefs? They're three-time Super Bowl champions now back-to-back. And the dy- uh, the big news today, the dynasty has begun. That's uh, that's according to all those here in the Kansas area where I hail from each and every day. Welcome into the program. We're not going to focus on the game too much. I do want to focus on some interesting perspectives from the broadcast itself, though, here on the program. We'll do that throughout here. Bottom of the hour, though, I do want to talk to Austin Bannon. He is the Employment Policy Fellow for Americans for Prosperity. He's also a policy analyst for the Charles Koch Institute. We'll talk about Bidenomics. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about hiring. We'll talk about employment, the unemployment rates in the nation, and more. Where are we as we go into this year? Where coincidentally, the Biden administration has kind of backed off on the whole Bidenomics thing about how great they are. They still try to make that argument when they can, but it's going to the wayside, and that's not their focal point any longer. So what will be their campaign, and how do you run as an incumbent when the economy is as bad as it is? So we'll talk about that with Austin coming up here in just a little bit. Show of hands, how many people actually did watch the game, and did you watch it for the right reasons? Because, again, this was the triggering game for everybody. And I'm talking everybody, man. Everybody was upset with this game, not just for the sports side of it, but just upset with the way things went. I will say that there were some good aspects, some bad aspects of this game. The halftime show, Usher, while I don't listen to that type of music, I don't really care about that kind of music, not a big thing for me. I will say that that was probably one of the better halftime performances that I've seen in a long time. Why is that, Andy? Well, it's, it's because it was simple. 
It was simple. It wasn't over the top. As far as I could tell, I could be wrong. Maybe someone else found it, but I didn't see it. As far as I could tell, there was not a lot of symbolism or messaging that was rammed down our throats during that performance. It was just Usher and a few other artists that just did a like a hip-hop R&B rap thing. And while I don't necessarily like that kind of music, if you remember last year, we had uh, the one gal that was like the lobster that was in the middle of all these other synchronized dancers that were all in uniform that really had some type of symbolism to it. We had some other weird stuff going on. So I kind of enjoyed the performance this year. It was very simple. There wasn't a lot of that messaging. It was just music. And while I may not enjoy that music per se, it was just music. And I did appreciate that. I think that Reba McIntyre did a fantastic job singing the national anthem. And I really think that the other guy can't remember his name, that had the face tattoos, did a great job singing America the Beautiful. I think that was wonderful. Well done. I applaud you guys for that. We actually, and they did that, and we saw most of the uh, players that were like getting all teary-eyed singing the National Anthem and America the Beautiful. We saw them putting their hands over their hearts. It was a wonderful moment. I did not see anybody, at least they didn't show it on the cameras, anybody kneeling during the National Anthem. So you know what? Well done, NFL. I appreciate that. Now, uh, I will say that at the very beginning, before all of that, they also did the Black National Anthem that, again, was going to cause controversy. And obviously it did. People upset about that. In fact, the most people that were upset about that one were the ones that were upset that more people didn't stand for it. And <laughs> I have to, if you didn't notice, they did it at a different time. I was expecting, which is what they had done in the past few years, they would sing the Black, Black National Anthem then they would sing the American National Anthem, which is said you have to have the two. We can go down that road. We get it. Like, you're an American. You just need to support the National Anthem. That's just what it is. But it was weird how they did it this year. They did it, like, before the teams came out on the field and before anybody was even in their seats. Like, the the stadium was empty almost as people were slowly trickling. In. It was almost like a pre-ceremonial concert that was going on that no one even knew what was happening. And they were just out there singing. They did their thing, and then everybody got in their seats, and then the players came out, and then they started the opening ceremony with America the Beautiful and the National Anthem. So I think that probably rubbed them wrong in the first place as well because they were just upset that that wasn't part of the uh, – the main ceremony that was going on. But if they are going to play it, which I think is dumb that they even have to play it in the first place, if they're going to, sure, I guess do it that way. Do a pre-concert beforehand, welcoming everybody into their seats while they're buying their $60 nachos. Did you hear? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. $60 nachos, man. The prices were outrageous there in Las Vegas. Welcome to the primetime when you go to an event like that. Yeah, you were paying $60 nachos, you know, 20 bucks for a, for a cup or something. It was astronomical how much some of the vending was there. So I guess if you have the money to buy $30,000 for a seat, you have 60 bucks to buy a little plate of nachos. It probably won't fill you up either. So while you're doing that, let's have some entertainment going on on the field, which is what they were doing before they actually allowed the national anthem and the other stuff to play. So I wasn't as concerned. I was a little upset that they even had to do it, obviously, but the fact that they did, but they didn't make it part of the regular opening ceremony. Fine. I guess whatever. Right. I guess that's what it is. I did do a count, the voice of reason total count for the number of times that they panned it to Taylor Swift during the broadcast. Guess how many it was? At least in my count, it was 13. Uh, I know. I know. 
Kind of interesting for the conspiracies that we read about the number 13 leading up into the game with how that is her lucky number. I counted them pinning to her 13 times. The vast majority of them, every time that Travis Kelsey actually made a play, they panned right to her where she was there sitting there cheering him on. So uh, quite fascinating on that as well. Outside of that, the game was relatively boring until about the fourth quarter, and the commercials were absolutely god-awful. I am curious... I didn't get a chance to watch it, and I didn't get to see any of the broadcasts, but I'm curious. Nickelodeon, as we talked about, kind of partnered with the Super Bowl and was broadcasting for children. And I saw some little snap, some snip pics and some some uh, pictures, some snapshots of kind of what they were doing, where it was more cartoony for the kids, explaining this is a football player, he runs really fast, he's a really big guy. Uh, and I saw one about Travis Kelsey, and I don't know if it was real or whether it was a joke, but it was like, this is the boyfriend of Taylor Swift. He's a really good football player. And it was this weird thing. <laughs> it was just a snapshot of what it was like on there. I don't know if it was true or not, but I am curious to see what the Nickelodeon wondering if they focused on the game or if they had more fun with the celebrities that were there, including Taylor Swift, which is why I think they had that in the first place. Trying to pander to the young generation, those kids, to get them involved in it by saying, look, even Taylor Swift goes to these games. You should pay attention, too. So I am curious on whether the Nickelodeon broadcast was any any decent or not, because I didn't care about the commentators on CBS News about how each of the players actually did their thing. Outside of that, uh, I don't have any memorable ads. And it was like that for the past few years. It was like that again this year. Nothing that was memorable. There were a couple a little chuckly aha moments. They had the one with like Ben Affleck and J-Lo and Matt Damon where they all came in and did their dance. That was aha, okay, kind of cute. The couch potato one for Pluto TV, kind of cute. I guess the one that got me the most was the, what was a State Farm with Arnold Schwarzenegger with him and Danny DeVito where they were teasing kind of their upcoming twins reboot of that one. Those two together. That was kind of interesting. And then the one with the Kawasaki where as they drove it, everybody they drove by got a mullet and like Stone Cold Steve Austin was out there chopping wood as he's a bald headed guy. And then they drive by and all of a sudden he's got a mullet. Okay. That was entertaining. But outside of that, meh, meh, you know, but being the triggering Super Bowl for everybody, there were a few triggering moments for both sides. There was the Jesus ad of Jesus loved everybody, so should you kind of thing that really kind of struck a chord for some individuals, obviously, because they kind of took the whole washing of the feet out of context from what the message of that in the Bible was really about. So, of course, they had to make a mockery of that by really showing white, straight, heterosexual guys that were washing the feet of LGBTQ members and people in front of Planned Parenthood. They really tried to say, oh, hey, look at this. We're going to ram this down your throat like we've seen for the past few years where you had like white people kneeling to black people during the whole BLM movement. And, you know, that we have to be subservient and we have to do the apologies and we have to have the reparations and all this other garbage. It was really a political ad more than it was a religious ad, and that did not bode well for a lot of individuals, and rightfully so. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it because, of course, I saw it was going to be controversial like that, and, you know, whatever. Of course, that's what they're going to do. The people that don't understand what we believe, they're they're going to make a mockery of it, and they're not going to do it in the context that it was intended to be in. Now, I get the different portions of the Bible, different personal beliefs, spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs. They can be open for interpretation. I understand that. But when people don't understand, this is why I always say on the program, even though I may not under agree with somebody, if I can understand 
their thought process, then I can at least understand how they got from point A to point B, and I can respect them. I won't attack them for it. I will disagree with them, but I can at least understand, all right, you're coming from it from this angle. This is the direction you're trying to go with it. I don't agree with that, but at least I can see the flow of motion here. I didn't see the flow of motion there. Why? Because they don't understand our point of view, and they don't respect it enough to actually want to believe it. They just did it to rub the salt in the wound, so to speak. What I really didn't understand, honestly, out of all of it, was why Robert F. Kennedy Jr. made an apology today based for the ad that ran during the Super Bowl. Now, it was a super PAC that ran it, and it was in the style of kind of like the old John F. Kennedy, JFK ads that ran back in the day. I don't know why he apologized. According to his Twitter, he made a post that said, I am so sorry that if the advertisement caused you pain, the ad was created and aired by the American Values at Super PAC without any involvement or approvals from my campaign. Federal rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting me, uh, me or my staff, yada, yada, yada. I send you and your family uh, my deepest apologies and I love you all, so on and so forth. But people are upset, mostly because, and I feel bad, honestly, for RFK Jr., Because he's been so ostracized and kicked out of the Kennedy family that he has to apologize to his own family for using that same kind of messaging that his uncle did back in the day. Because they say that they would not approve of his vaccination stance and therefore the Kennedy family has essentially cut him off. This guy, while you may agree or disagree with him and while we may not vote for him, again, I can respect and I like a lot of what he does, that he's putting everything on the line including cutting himself off from the entire family. Interesting stuff. The records say it's going to be shattering the ratings for the Super Bowl. Your thoughts on it? It was an interesting one, I guess. Marginally interesting, I guess you could put it that way. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. There it is. I know I throw a lot out in that last segment, kind of a quick breakdown, a quick summation of what happened last night. But overall, you could tell. You could really tell the NFL's doing really, really a lot of work trying to win back a lot of those people that were upset with them over the past few years with the political messages. Outside of the Black National Anthem and then the privatized ads that ran during the during the whole thing. You can tell there was not a lot of political messaging. There was not a lot of subliminal messaging as well with what happened at the halftime show. I didn't see any. I didn't see the quote-unquote Illuminati things, the little hidden secrets there, the little hidden gems like we saw the past few years where it's just obvious. It breaks your brain a little bit with how uh, open they are about some of that stuff. I didn't see that last night, and that was good. That made me very happy. You could tell that Bud Light's trying really hard to try and win back their people as well as they were one of the official sponsors of the NFL game last night. A lot of people holding that, all excited about it. But they tried really hard last night to try and win back you. And they tried really hard last night. And here's the problem with society is today is that we are so fragmented. They tried really hard to unite people again to just watch a wholesome, fun football game. And it backfired big time because now you can't. Just like in the media, when you have a journalist, can you ever have, if someone has gone biased, and again, I'm not a journalist, I'm not a reporter. I'm a commentator. I'm an opinionated commentator. I give my opinion based on the issues on what I observe. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. If someone claims to be a reporter and the journalism industry as a whole has been corrupted based on subliminal messages or at least some type of uh, angle 
or some type of bias that's included in there, can they ever get back to not doing that? You really can't. Society's gotten to that point now where the NFL game last night, they tried to be as non-controversial as possible, and it turned out to be an extremely controversial event. <laughs> that's just that's the way it went. Everybody's upset about something. Now, some of them were ads, obviously, but let's take that away for a second. Let's just focus on the NFL game. Look at what they did. They brought in Reba McIntyre, a very uh, a very non-controversial individual to sing the national anthem, and she blew it out of the water. I loved it. She did a fantastic job bringing in what demographic? The more maybe a little bit older demographic, the ones that like classic country, the rural communities, the ones that walked away during the protests and the kneeling for the national anthem, they brought her in to win those individuals back. And thank you, by the way. Uh, Post Malone was the name of the guy who sang America the Beautiful. I <laughs> I don't listen to his stuff, so I didn't I couldn't remember who it was. I didn't know who that was. But Post Malone was the one that sang that. And he did a fantastic job. In fact, some were saying that that was one of the best renditions of it that they've ever heard. It was a great rendition. I didn't know Post Malone, Post Malone was country because he definitely had a twang to himself. He definitely dressed like a country guy. And he had some uh, country flavor to his song. And it was beautiful. It was great. Again, pandering and appealing to the more rural uh, type of farmer individual that usually watches the Super Bowl, trying to win that crowd back. They did a great job of that outside of the Black National Anthem, but what did they do? They did that before the actual ceremony when everybody was still getting into their seats and all the people with the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, they were upset. They were angry about that. No one stood for the Black National Anthem. That just shows that the NFL is just terrible. They're not appealing to the right crowds. They're not actually pandering to the right people. But they did that before all of the ceremony, and I guess if you're going to have to do it, then do it then. When, uh, honestly, not everybody was really paying attention. I mean, it's just the entertainment before the actual ceremony began. But then the ceremony was fine. The halftime show was fine. The game itself, eh, outside of the 13 different cuts, they, they went over to Taylor Swift during the game. The game itself was fine. It was a little boring until about the fourth quarter. Then it was pretty intense. But outside of that, it was fine. They did everything they could to try and bring back the original crowd to show that maybe the NFL maybe isn't as biased or as political or as activist as what they wanted to, except for, I will say, I don't know if you noticed, but the little strip right at the end of the end zones, they had some messages. One of them was end racism. The other one was like, we all stand together or something. So they had their little message there. But outside of that, they really are trying to be as non-confrontational and because of that, it turned out to be an extremely controversial broadcast overall for both sides of the aisle. Kind of interesting. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. So great to have you with us here. I got to say, out of all of the things that happened at the big game last night, the best thing that happened, the most entertaining part of it, is all the memes that are now out there of Travis Kelsey yelling at Coach Andy Reid. <laughs> That's like the best thing that happened out of the entire thing. I get, I know people that love the sports can actually enjoy the sports of it. I'm not going to do a sports breakdown of it. I'm not a sports guy. That is the one game that I watched the entire year. It was fun. It was entertaining. The commercials, again, were completely immemorable, completely irrelevant. They did not stand out. Man, I wish 
I was going through today. I was going through the classics. I was going on YouTube and uh, showing there were some there's some really, really young guys at the radio stations here that uh, we work at in our flagship station here in Wichita, Kansas, where I'm coming out of. And there's some really young kids like they're like 22, 20 years old. And I had to show them some of the good commercials from back in the day. You know, the frogs that would sing Budweiser, you know, Doritos commercials, the classic ones, the classics from the late 90s, early 2000s. Those are good commercials for a Super Bowl. The stuff we see today, they are so scared of being controversial or upsetting somebody. And then what happens? We end up seeing a lot of controversial stuff that happened last night. We have, you know, the whole Jesus ad with people washing feet, trying to show a political statement there. We had an RFK's ad that apparently triggered up and upset a lot of people, especially within the Kennedy family, because they don't want RFK to associate himself with the rest of the Kennedy family because they say that JFK would not approve of his vaccination stances on issues. So he came out with an apology for that one today. Just ridiculous. Oh, how everybody's so upset. Oh, how we live in a world of just being triggered about everything. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get uh, latest on what's going on up in Washington, D.C. as we go into election season. Obviously, a big topic we like to talk about here on the program is the economy and the budget. And coincidentally, we still don't have a proper federal budget right now. We're still trying to work uh, work on some uh, spending cut issues and appropriations bills. What does that look like? But when it comes to the labor market and the unemployment numbers, there's, they said that we ended the fourth quarter last year with some great employment numbers. Unemployment was at like record lows for the Biden administration. Everything's wonderful. And then we get the number for January and they're like, oh yeah, all those temporary holiday jobs, yeah, they're They're gone, and we saw one of the biggest layoffs that we've seen in a long time as well. So where are we at today? Uh, Talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more. He's got a new op-ed piece out in the D.C. Journal. He is the Employment Policy Fellow for Americans for Prosperity, our great partners here on the program as well. It's Austin Bannon. Austin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Yourself? I was very neutral on the Super Bowl, so uh, I've been listening to commentary on that you know i, I uh, didn't find any special ads myself uh to, to report uh, as well but yeah um, but i gave him a look see what there was see what, see what there was yeah nothing nothing really stuck out don't you miss i haven't seen like a memorable ad that was like this is amazing i haven't seen one of those in probably seven or eight years and that makes me a little sad because half the reason you watch the super bowl is to watch the commercials isn't it absolutely i remember one with a uh, i believe it was a dodge charger um and they had it with George Washington and essentially the American Revolution setting and, and the British troops started running and they thought it was just the troops. But there was, there was someone with a Dodge Charger running with a flag. But it, it just seemed kind of comical, but but also patriotic at the same time. That, that was a really uh, a good one where it, it was almost humorous, but um, but just, you know. Nothing like that. You're right. Yeah, nothing like that. It's really sad. It's really sad. Well, it's uh, it's another another bummer, I guess. But the controversy, I mean, within the game is a whole another whole another topic. But uh, it's sad. We can't uh, we can't come together for just a friendly family go lucky game with some entertaining stuff in it any longer, and uh, breaks my heart a little bit. But let's talk about some economics here, shall we, Austin? I love talking about uh, this. First off, I have to ask because this is probably when we talk about ridiculousness in society today. Did Joe Biden really create 13 million jobs? Because that's Bidenomics right now. They've created 13 million jobs. We came back stronger than any other president on the face of the earth since the COVID-19 pandemic. And we uh, we have the best record on the economy. And I can't say it without laughing, but good golly, that the fact that some people actually believe that blows my mind. Hey, yeah, sometimes you come into the office at the right time and uh, 
and you just you win by default uh, as far as those claims. But yeah, it's it's uh, the situation where obviously unemployment was so high from a lot of different COVID shutdowns and disruptions um, at the time he took office. So we were starting from a very abnormal point. Um, and so any claims he makes, it, it, it's very closely related to the fact that the economy, um, you know, it was, was trying to get back to normal. And we know it's not quite back to normal by any means, but um, from the point where it was, um, I think he's claimed a lot of that when when didn't matter who was president. Of course, there was going to be some jobs recovered um, from all those disruptions. Yeah. Yeah, it is unfortunate. The labor market itself, we always hear about the quote unquote unemployment number. And I know that the unemployment number is vague and it can be interpreted many different ways because we can talk about those that have uh, not qualified for unemployment any longer, but no longer seek a job. So they just kind of fall off the numbers there. But from your perspective and the way that we look at the labor market right now, what is the actual unemployment rate? And are we doing decent right now in the nation compared to, let's say, prior to COVID-19? Yeah, I have a few observations that, that may be of interest. Um, but, you know, one thing you're mentioning, um, so the official unemployment rate is 3.7%. There was a discussion of 350,000, uh, yeah, 353,000 jobs gained. Um, and those numbers on, on a surface level are, you know, are, are positive compared to what some could be. But there are different calculations. Um, that's called a U3 calculation, essentially, an unemployment. But there's other ones, such as a U6, that adds millions more workers um, into what's sort of un, you know, the unemployment rate. And it's people that would be working in the right conditions, but they're no longer considered, you know, essentially a part of the market because they're not claiming unemployment, for instance. So it's still several percentage points higher. Um, labor force participation hasn't quite recovered to where it was. Uh, there's over 9 million job openings right now. Um, and then I also took a look, um, you know, with the newest jobs report at which state had higher and lower unemployment rates. And it, it goes to show that there are a lot of differences. It's not a, a uniform 50-state, 3.7% unemployment rate either. Um, of the 10 states with the lowest unemployment rates, I, I did um, take note that six of them are Republican-controlled fully, so a House, a Senate, and a governor. And three have split power, and then one has full Democrat control. And then the 10 states with the highest unemployment rates Six of them are fully controlled by Democrat leaders um, between the House, Senate, and Governor. Then three were split power, and only one um, was full Republican control. So you can see that at the, at the state level uh, where certain policies are in play, there is a difference between a blue state and a red state on this. And it, and it uh, um, goes to show that states that are implementing additional Biden-type policies um, have had a harder recovery than the states that haven't. Yeah, it makes sense. It really does. Now, at the same time, are we seeing that same trend when it comes to uh, labor markets based on state on where people are going to for work? Republican states versus Democrat states, red versus blue on what jobs are available, what industries are expanding and where they're moving their headquarters or their manufacturing plants to in certain areas. Are we seeing that same kind of trend there as well? Yeah, yeah. To an extent, you are. Um, you know, the states that um, stayed more open. Um, in recent years, have definitely had a bit more growth. Um, you're at a point where the purchasing power is better in a lot of the, um, as we would say, red states. Um, cost of living uh, and the inflation is, is less of a degree there. Um, so it's um, definitely the case where you know, all of America did recover from its from its lowest point uh, to some degree, um, but it's definitely uh, you know a, a big variety from one place to another. Um, there are also issues. Um, 
you know, out west in California, uh, we've had a lot of strikes in America, or at least some, some profile, high-profile ones with auto union strikes, port strikes out west, I don't know to say in the, in the north and in the, in the auto manufacturing. You know, there, there are disruptions that you didn't see in the south um, where there's not as strong of a union presence, um, not as much labor activism. Um, so, yeah, you, you definitely are seeing some of the recovery, again, just like these, these unemployment rates um, differing from state to state. There has been a different economic recovery, and, and certain areas have impacted our overall economy more. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with uh, Austin Bannon. He is the Employment Policy Fellow for Americans for Prosperity, also the policy analyst over at the Charles Koch Institute as well. Your piece that came out of the D.C. Journal talks about Bidenomics and the labor agenda what is exactly the labor agenda that they have? Obviously, it's to try and push for more unionizing across the nation. We saw him standing out there as the first sitting president to actually go out during the auto labor union strike that happened just a few months ago last fall and talked about how, yeah, you guys totally need like $80 an hour or something ridiculous because that's totally feasible in a private market where the now the uh, auto companies say that each car will go up near $1,000 per vehicle because of the increase in expenses that they have. For these workers, uh, Austin, I don't know how that's actually a long-term solution for a business that's trying to stay operational. I get that they make a profit, but like that's that seems a little excessive to me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know the Bidenomics sales pitches uh, from from Biden is he said it's just another word for the American dream, really. Um, and you know, I kind of point out the fact that most of us realize that high inflation has something to do with Bidenomics, and that's what we all agree with, uh, not that it's connecting us to the American dream. Um, you're right, though, that the, the um, labor activism, um, you know, union workers like any other American worker, they're concerned about inflation and whether their wages are keeping up. But the union leaders themselves have been emboldened by the Biden administration. Uh, and that is what I, I focus a lot with, with my article and and, and looking at um, in terms of the economy, because we've, we've talked about binomics and, and heavy spending by the federal government. There's regulations and energy environment. And I wanted to pick on the labor side a little bit. Uh, you pointed a lot of it has to do with the fact that President Biden, from his perspective, it seems as if having a union job might be the only legitimate job to him. If you want to be self-employed, uh, over 70 million Americans earn some form of, uh, of income through freelancing, whether it's a full-time career or, or they make some side income, you know, maybe they, they do some plumbing work for somebody on the side or, or they're a rideshare driver and, and drive Uber on the side or they do accounting on the side or, or they're a part-time yoga instructor, um, 70 million people. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a very harmful uh, situation, but Biden is doing that. Big business or black market is kind of his plan. It is, yeah. I tell you what, hang on the line here, Austin. I want to continue this conversation when we come back. We've got to take a break. It's The Voice of Reason. It's a Monday. Bidenomics, how are we panning out for 2024? Stay here. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Oh, how the time flies right on by. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. So great to have you with us here on a Monday. The post-big game recovery. (laughs) How hard was it for you to get up and enjoy your work day today? Don't worry, we'll help you get home so you can relax and maybe recover a little bit and catch up on some rest. 
much needed after a crazy day like today. We're hanging out with Austin Bannon. He is the Employment Policy Fellow with Americans for Prosperity. You can find his latest piece, Bidenomics Labor Agenda on the Rise in Time for 2024 Election. You can find it on the D.C. Journal there. Also, more information with Americans for Prosperity, our great partners with us here on the show. Austin, we talked about the unions and this agenda that the Biden administration has with many of the unions, uh, him standing with this auto strike that was a few months ago. And during that time, the president of the auto labor union came out and said that now is the time, kind of a viva revolution moment. He came out and said that they all need to sync up, have all these strikes at the same time, have more industries come on board. All of them sync up their contract expiration dates to be the same time. So that way they can essentially shut down industries if they want to with everybody walking out at the same time. Now, this is a time when labor unions have been on the decline for the past few years because people don't see the value in them any longer. So, Austin, do you think that this is going to work with this massive socialist overhaul of the economy and the labor force by just trying to unionize everyone at the same time? Is this really going to work? Uh, our president thinks so right now, but um, <laughs> no, it's it, it's a uh, it's a situation where you know again, I think uh, due to economic disruptions, a lot of people started to get concerned about their future, and they still are. And so there's sympathy. Uh, the whole idea of workers and whether they have stability. Um, but unfortunately, the, the Bidenomics labor agenda is what's emboldening these union leaders to try these things because they know they have a president. Uh, you know, he claims himself to be the most pro-union president in American history, and he takes that as, as a very serious challenge. He's trying to do that. Um, and so I think they see a, a chance to win politically um, with the president, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a, a winning option for all the consumers in America and the increased costs or the workers in America who are trying to earn a living. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a problem. It, most of the items that, that President Biden is doing within the labor space, it's, I, I teased the idea of big business or black market right before the break. But the idea is if we can get all the workers towards a big business, we don't want them to have a, uh, a small business and open a franchise to have a, a small business that serves as a vendor to other businesses. We don't want to have self-employed workers. Because if we can get them towards a big business, we can try to unionize them more easily, and we can have our red tape regulations of what a work- workplace should look like, and we can force that on a bigger business more easily than dynamic small businesses that are competing with one another. And that's not to say we're against a big business. After all, they were a, a successful small business originally. Yeah. Um, but that's just to say people are sort of pushed to, to try to have an underground economy to survive or to, or to consolidate, and that's what a lot of these regulations are, are intended to do. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We don't see a lot of small business growing nowadays. I mean, we're starting to see it again after COVID-19, but obviously their goal is to kill that off, which leads to my last question. we got just about a minute left here before we have to wrap up. But does this lead to the argument of a crony capitalist system with government in bed with corporations to try and give them the benefit as opposed to allowing true free markets to reign in a real capitalist system? Is that where we're at today, do you think? I think when when you have a, an administration that that will cater towards special interests, whether it's unions or or a business that that sees a way to to utilize the marketplace, that's that's a natural uh, process that occurs. And you're right. If if you have an open economy, um, we like to say that we're you know pro markets, not pro business. You want businesses to thrive, but they have to compete with one another. Um, increasingly, if if you're carrying out this Biden agenda, that's that's definitely what we're we're up against. Um, trying to have concentrated industries. There's ideas of sectoral bargaining that unions are pushing. They want to negotiate for entire industries. So there's not much of a difference. And you see that a bit within the auto workers um, across the big three. 
as if their contracts you know, have a lot of similarities and they're negotiated at the same time. Um, imagine that across all sectors of the economy, and all of a sudden we become you know, higher unemployment rates and lower growth like much of Europe is. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We can't start that small business. Heaven forbid we have a kid sell, you know, lemonade at a lemonade stand because we didn't get the proper licensing and approval from the federal government, which is what they want to kill off. You have to buy it through Country Time Lemonade, for example, and you can only do that if you're a part of that union that's working for that industry. What a scary time that we live in. we got to start changing that. At least be aware of it so we can start pushing back on these issues. It is Austin Bannon, Employment Policy Fellow at Americans for Prosperity. Austin, I love the conversation, my friend. Keep up the fight on this stuff. Let's get you back on the show again real soon, brother. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. Great stuff. We'll break some of that down tomorrow. Until then, we're all done for the day. There it is. Back at it again on a post-Monday celebration tomorrow. we got lots more to talk about. We have more primaries around the corner, more issues out of D.C. And will they actually do some type of budget, immigration, Ukraine-Israel funding? What's on the docket for this week? We'll break it all down. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.